Europe. All right. Let's call the meeting to order. And Amy is here. And Amy, if you would kindly take uh, get your name tag as well, please. Oh, so we have nine members today. Yay. So calling the meeting to order Wednesday, July 20th, 2022, 7.06 p.m. All right. So the first um, order is uh, member and guest introductions. Um, so we have a new member, uh, Jonas, today uh, on the tab from uh, representing EDAC, um, Economic Development Advisory Committee. Um, if you want to introduce yourself um, to the fellow members. Thanks. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Muttu Ari Govindan. You can call me Muttu. Um, so uh, uh, it's my fifth year in the EDAC group, and uh, I've been serving the EDAC, uh, joined as a transportation roads representative, and then moved into international business. Uh, I'm, I'm an ambassador to India and Dubai uh, for EDAC uh, in, uh, you know, bringing in new business and establishing new businesses in Loudoun County. And, um, you know, uh, also I'm on other boards as well, and uh, I'm glad to be here the transit board and um, thanks to the gym uh, you know he recommended me in uh, in this board uh, i run a green energy business i run a solar geothermal business and um had a lot of energy net zero um programs As a matter of fact they're doing the uh, uh renewable energy credit program for maryland right now and uh, a lot of things going on in that and carbon emissions and whatever i see that on the agenda here so uh, definitely uh, should be able to Give some some points on that end. Well, what's um, the name of your business? Geopotential Consultant, mm -hmm. and uh, we're the only geothermal company in the East Coast focusing heavily on geothermal installations. So, uh, but um, I'm glad to be here and uh, also supporting the EDAC group with energy initiatives and also drone initiatives. We also have drone uh, a lot of drones uh, in our business, and we use that to do carbon emission studies. So. Um, Glad to be here and glad to support the transit board. Welcome, Glad to have you here. Uh, yeah, hopefully, we'll have some more um, topics related to transit that we can uh, you know, put forth in the near future. Um, so, the next order of business is uh, a public comments. Uh, do we have any? Any members sign for public comments? Uh, no, we did not have any members sign up for. Let me just double check here. No, no public comments. Thanks, Sarah. All right, so moving on to business matters. Uh, the first one um, is adding rotational members from the uh, Commission on Aging. And I think uh, the last business meeting uh, we did discuss about it. And um, um, what, what was the direction, uh, Sarah, if you may help us recall on this? Yes, in order to, well, what I recall from our discussion is that we had talked about inviting members from the Commission on Aging to attend meetings or vice versa for TAB members to go and participate in their boards. If you wanted to go to the extra step of having a, um, a representative officially on board, that would require a change in your bylaws. And uh, at this point with the, the membership that we have, uh, staff encourages you to really seriously consider that. Um, there are a lot of 
issues that come up as, as you add more members as far as recruitment, uh, keeping that member uh, that seat filled, uh, as well as it increases your amount needed for a quorum. Okay. And at that point, if you added just one member, you would then be in a situation where you have an equal number of uh, an even number of members, and, and that could cause problems if there was a, dis uh, a dispute on a vote. Because mm -hmm. we're such a disputable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at this point, uh, the thought process and the recommendation is in the direction of having one tab member having a comfortable aging um, a meeting or vice versa. Um, okay. Okay. I mean, I'm, I think I'm fine with that. Is there any, um, you know, comments or thoughts from the membership on that? You good? All right. So having said that, um, I'm not sure what their um, meeting cadence is. I do not know if they meet every month, every other month, um, and what day of the week, what time uh, on that day they meet. Is there any interest from the, any of the TAB members to attend, uh, attend the Upcoming any of the upcoming commission on aging meeting? I can tell you that I went to a commission on aging meeting weeks ago. I, I don't know what the regularity of the meetings, but they meet during the day. Oh, they just nine or ten o'clock in the morning. Okay, for that meeting. Oh. Yeah, the majority of them are retired. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're exactly correct. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we've been asked to do that. Disability service. What, what day of the what day of the week was that when you went on Scott? Uh, let me see if I can't dig it up on my calendar. Okay. I mean, it should probably be a county calendar. And the goal was that we're concerned about so, elder ridership and correct. their input. Correct. So just for your benefit, Mutu and uh, you know other members who might have missed that conversation. So the idea behind um, you know attending commission aging meet uh, the meeting is. Uh, you know, to cover that ridership pocket uh, of people, um, you know, who could need the transit services and understand the needs uh, of that population and serve them better. So we had a discussion around if we need a representative from there, or you know, any a permanent member on transit board, or a permanent member from health, you know, representing the school population and different organizations. But you know, we can expand with you know through the bylaws our membership. But to Sarah's point. The eventual challenge would be to have to to run these meetings to have core. So eventually we'll run into the problem. So that's why we scaled back on some of the other affiliations because those affiliations were represented in some form or fashion in the existing current board. And only the commission on aging, we thought we could cover grounds on that. So that's why we still had that spillover in our agenda for discussion. So they met on a Tuesday at 9.30 okay. in the morning. Okay. I mean, if, if anybody uh, is interested in attending that meeting, uh, please do let uh, myself and Sarah know um, the Commission on Aging meeting. But if not, I will I'll look up the, if there's no interest, then I'll look up what was the next meeting on the calendar, but I'll try to make one of their meetings coming on my end. And then from there, you know, when I go to the meeting, I'll probably extend an invitation to them to uh, attend our September, right? September uh, meeting at the Community Foundation in Leesburg. I, I think that's an excellent way to start off uh, by inviting people to uh, a member to attend the meet. Let them know what the tab does, 
uh, what our purpose mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. and and invite them to come. If there's uh, somebody who's really engaged mm -hmm. in transit services, mm -hmm. uh, then we can certainly pursue that further. Yeah. So, yeah, please let, let uh, Sarah and myself know if you guys are interested in uh, to attend one of the or the upcoming meeting. If not, I will be. Uh, I'll um, look up the calendar, attend the attend the next meeting. All right. So the next one is the green energy initiatives um, related to buses. Um, uh, I think probably Scott, you might have uh, some inputs for us on that. Uh, if you do, or not. That's <laughs> well, I was going to say, I don't, nothing's really changed from the county's transit perspective. We have ordered, and I think we reported this last time, we have ordered. Two electric buses, and we do have two um, CNG buses, which are lower emission, but not zero emission, which is where we're headed. Um, we are, we have been actively up and in multiple um, meetings with Washington Gas and other providers to take a look at hydrogen and see what it can do for us and where we can go. We're still pretty far off on hydrogen for those folks who don't know. Um, Washington Gas is actually working with several jurisdictions to open a plant in Springfield as a test plant, a pilot plant. And um, depending on how that goes, we may become part of that pilot, but that we're very, very, we're in the talking stages. We're not in anything beyond that. Um, there is no hydrogen in the area now. Um, so it's a matter of them having to make a plan and, and where they can create hydrogen. And then we have to work out, obviously, infrastructure. How do we get it here? How do we store it? How do we get it on the buses? That kind of thing. Um, so, but the 1st step is to figure out how soon they can actually get up and running. And, oh, by the way. For us to order a bus to have it, even a hydrogen bus, you're looking at 18 months, to 2 years to get a bus in, even if you order it right now. That's the drawback to everything that's going on because the COVID and the short shortages going on around around the country. Um, we just got our seven. We just got seven diesel gigs in. <clears throat> I guess the last one's coming in Friday. Friday, and they should have been here four months ago, and they were a year before ordered a year before that. So it's. Um, it's a, you know, it's the real thing, the shortage is. So that's where we're headed. I would imagine from a staff perspective that we are going to um, probably do a study on what it's going to take for infrastructure changes, whether it's gas, whether, I mean, whether we go hydrogen, whether we go um, electric um, and, and go down that route to see what the infrastructure costs are going to be. Um, coincidentally, we, we've, pretty much outgrown our current facility. So, which is probably in hindsight, a good thing, um, because trying to retrofit a building and, and space is tougher to do than it is to go in there fresh and set it up the way you want. Um, so we will start actively looking at that. Um, I can tell you it'll probably be a while if you haven't paid attention to any of the board meetings, the land prices in Autumn County have gone through the roof. Um, we just, you know, uh, just to kind of put that in perspective, we had a North Star Road project that um, needed, when it was approved, 
two years ago, I think it had 20 million dollars for right away costs. <clears throat> that were studied and looked at and accessed and now those same right away costs are 54 million dollars. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, everything we're doing is going to be a challenge moving forward, even just regular. Bus stuff, because bus stops right now, we're trying to put 175 bus stops in. It's going to go up with book left here um, for the new metro routes and trying to get right away easements into these things so we can lay concrete pads down to make them ADA accessible is it's going to take us a full year to do that. Mm -hmm. So um, that's really where we are um, as, as we get anything that we do where we start moving in a real direction. You know, I'll certainly notify you guys will be the first ones to be notified right now. We are very, very much in the, you know, listening mode, you know, making sure that when we go to do our study, we know what questions to ask. So that we don't trip over ourselves and we don't want to reinvent the wheel. And those buses that we ordered, um, the two CNG and two electric were Gillig, right? They are Gillig, but 35 foot Gillig buses. They, when we originally purchased them, we were told they will be in in April. Um, actually, we were told they were being in July, then they actually moved them up to April. Uh, but now with what everything Gillick's having to go through, and, and this is not anything to do with the type of bus, this is just regular bus. So what delayed these last ones were glass. Yeah. So just okay. to get the windows in is mm -hmm. what we waited for. And we ended up waiting four months to get the glass. Yeah. So this is not a, this is not a, a, a an energy problem. This is a short, a supply shortage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about the, these alternative energy, it sounds like they're all on the table. Hydrogen is not more in line. Yeah, so any other. that's a great point. And, and the answer is yes, we have to stay open to everything. Um, right now, honestly, I, I've been paying really, really close attention to electric buses for the better part of oh, 18 months now. Um, electric is. I think very good for small buses and minivans and cars. We're not convinced it's good for larger buses at this mm -hmm. point in time because of range issues and battery issues. Now they're they're working on more batteries and that kind of thing. But you know, some of my concerns from a clean energy perspective is okay, if the bus is clean and all of that's clean, but okay, what happens to the batteries on the back end? Mm -hmm. Right? How do we, what happens to them on the back end? And what is it taking to produce those batteries on the front end? Because that all goes into the. You just take them to Best Buy and then. <laughs> and they magically disappear. <laughs> so, uh, yes, we, we've been looking at that. Um, the ranges right now, just to, I, I don't know if I told you guys this, but I'll give you a quick rundown on it. So, the buses that we have looked at, um, they run about a million dollars for the same Gillig that we're buying diesel for 600,000 now, I'm sorry, 500,000 now. And depending on the route we put it on, we'll need two electrics for every one diesel. So that's kind of part of it. You know, there's the, there's the economic piece to this as well as the environmental piece to this. Um, we are environmental is driving our decisions moving forward, but we have to pay attention to the economic side. So, um, and that's where hydrogen comes in because hydrogen doesn't have those range issues. So that's why it's a matter of, you know, if we get the study done, we run this pilot, it may be that hydrogen is now 
sufficiently moved into the United States and we might be able to use it and get that done and it, you know, we'll have longer range on the buses and those kind of things. In the long run, I don't think you're going to see any one type of vehicle for us. We will probably have battery electric buses for maybe the smaller ones or shorter routes where we can get away with the one for one swap where we can do one bus on and then um, have hydrogen or some other form, you know, where I'm sure there's forms that we're not even aware of that are, will come out at some point. But uh, um, so that's what we're looking at right now. And we're, we're the, hence the pilot. The pilot is battery electric buses. There's in such, in, they're still in an infant stage. You know, we, I don't know if I've used this term in the past, but um, we want to be on the leading edge, but not the bleeding edge. The bleeding edge is where the, all the folks are, they spend a million bucks on a bus and it sits for 10 months because they just have problem at the problem at the problem that they're working out for everybody else. We don't want to do that. We want to be right on it right when they get the, the technology kind of honed in. Uh, so that's what we're shooting for. But isn't uh, hydrogen in even more infant stage than battery electric? Like battery electric has been running with different results for like a decade or so. Hydrogen too. Hydrogen is very, very heavily utilized across the pond. Um, it's just not here. So it's the battery bus. I mean, even the manufacturers are saying they have great success, you know, over in Europe and in those areas. Um, so it's 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 just the United States, and it's a and it's a production problem more than anything else. You just there's no way to produce hydrogen here, so they're trying to figure that out. And oh, by the way, there's like hydrogen. It's hydrogen is kind of like compressed natural gas. You have to pick the right hydrogen. You need to go to renewable hydrogen. There's gray hydrogen, which causes, you know. Uh, exhaust out when you're making it that's no healthier than diesel fuel. So you have to pick and that's where we're kind of working through. And again, I'm in the very front end of this, so <laughs> I don't want to get diving into it too deep and say something that's not smart. Hmm. Any comments? Any other comments? Yeah, I was able to say that hydrogen is a leader in European uh, we do a lot of business with European countries and um, you know we see that hydrogen is big and uh, technology has come a long way to the point where they're able to store hydrogen in um, in the molecular stage yeah. between voids in, in, in metals and safely transport. The, the yeah. issue with hydrogen is not about production but about you know transportation, how you use it, how you you know mobilize that. So technology has come up, it's all about the infrastructure right. problem that you know now when you have that. How do you have infrastructure going through that and like to learn more about it? Yeah, it's it's also a uh, like everything else in the states. It is an education. It's a public education problem too. You know, a lot of people right now when you say hydrogen, they go, they think fire and explosions and all of that, and it's not. That's not how it is anymore. Can you do uh, that facial expression? <laughs> <laughs> I did that just for the hour. <laughs> so um, yes, it's it's. It's that's why it's so heavily used over there, and 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 it, it is, I think, the way to go if we can get the infrastructure in the United States caught up to it. Hmm. But we'll see, and we'll see how it goes. Why don't we use LP more heavily? Because LP is super prolific in Asia Pacific. LP buses, LP taxis. Yeah. Well, they're they're. I mean, that's essentially what compressed natural gas is, right? Yeah. So Arlington County's been using that for years. We did a study on it in 20, 
16 or 17 and it found with the EPA regs on the bus, the new EPA regs on the diesels, they were running just about as clean as the LPs. So it was like, why would you make this? Why would you make the switch? Um, and that's why we never did uh, because he would have, we would have spent, you know, probably two or $3 million. I think, I think it was $4 million. We would have needed for infrastructure to, to build just to put in a, a facility to be able to do it. And you weren't really gaining much on the environmental side for doing it. On the electric buses, do you have a power purchase agreements like with uh, renewable energy producers? There's lots of, so there is one of the big pushes is there's 1.4 billion, something like that in federal grants for nothing, zero or no low buses. And they're on there, obviously. Um, so, Yes, that's one of the reasons why we're trying to push to get through that. And, and, and for me, it's like, you know, I don't want to, we don't want to be left behind, right? I don't want else to be left behind. So, um, but we also, we can't afford, we don't have a fleet like Metro or Fairfax where if we buy, you know, 20 or 30 electric buses, they got to be functioning, right? They, we can't afford, we can't have 20 of them down. Because then we're going to be out of route. We're, you know, we're not going to have buses to run on the routes. We don't have that kind of a fleet to be able to do that. So that's kind of where my, you know, cautiousness and being methodical walking into this world is coming from, from our end. Um, you know, if we were like Fairfax or like Lamada, where we had 20%, 25% extra buses, you know, over and above our, our spare fleet for strategic fares. Then we might be able to look at that a little closer and a little quicker. Um, but that's why we're kind of dipping our toe in the water with these two buses right now. All right. If you don't have any other comments, um, I'd like to move on to the uh, next item on draft zoning ordinance. Um, so when is the last date for this, Sarah? Is the last date passed? It has passed. passed. Yeah, yes. it's passed. So um, I, I'm, I think uh, some of our membership has provided comments on the draft zoning ordinance. I heard from a couple of supervisors that they're going to prioritize this um, draft zoning ordinance over their uh, individual BMIs that they may have put together for various activities, uh, board member initiatives. Um, so I think this will be discussed by the group that's handling the zoning ordinance as well as the board of supervisors in the near future. From that, you know what I heard, and I can't back it up because it was, you know, third party, but that there's going to be another round of review opportunity in October. Has anybody else heard that? That's possible because this was a very large document. I think 800 pages. I don't remember. It's a large document and, you know, um, and so we provided comments from a transit perspective, so our membership and other people provided comments or inputs from a different perspective. So this is all, uh, and then board of supervisors asked for a synthesized version. So that's, that's probably more than one <laughs> coming, I'm assuming, but I'm sure at least there'll be one. One of the things that's that submitted to them as a side note, not a comment on the zoning ordinance itself, but the process to get it out. Your was, staff, your staff did? Yes, would, well, our department really okay. would, was to say to the planning folks, look, when you're gonna, when you're gonna send something out like to the transit advisory board, 
you know, we have no, we're not planners. We have no idea what those 834 pages hold. We need some got like, oh, you need to look at really this board. You need to look at pages 22 through 35 and that's where all of your transit information mm -hmm. is that kind of thing. That so that was some 1 of the feedback we gave them about the process was it would be very helpful to boards like this. Right? And it's not just everybody, but it's any volunteer board where. You can't just hand them an 834 page right. document and say, hey, we'd really like your comments on this and because you're going to go on what, you know? That's far enough as it was. Yeah. Even once you did hung in on the pages. Yeah. Well, and I, and I, listen, I'm part of the county and I've looked at the ordinance before, but I, you know, the way I did it was I just did a search on transit and started going down and from page to page to page to page to page. And, but there were pages that weren't trend that didn't, didn't have weren't related to transit, but had road infrastructures for like inside of developments that I commented on for transit saying, you know, we would like, or like around affordable dwelling units that didn't have anything to say with transit. It just it was talking about the development, but I just happened to, when I was, I was reading through it, skimming across it, I found it and I was like, well, okay. So one of the things I put in there was, you know, all developers should have to put, a, you know, bus stops within a quarter of a mile of affordable dwelling units. Not a quarter mile of development, a quarter mile of the unit. Right. Because, you know, I don't know if you've seen how developers do. What they tend to do is they build these developments and they put the ADUs in the back of the development and then the buses can only come in the front of the development. So then there's a significant difference, you know, distance between the two. So we're trying to, you know, kind of fix that as new developers come on board. Okay. Uh, I'm moving on to Organizational matters. Um, approval of the March 16th meeting minutes to be provided separately. Sarah, you probably be providing that at a later time for the March. The March 16th ones are on meetings. May 18th ones are about. Sarah, okay. Have you, have you had an opportunity to put together? A... As soon as I get them out of here. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so you've got them drafted up. You just want to read yep. them through. I'm going to read through it one more time and I'll send okay. it back. All right, very good. So we'll put that on the agenda for next month's meeting. We do in the packet were the draft of the May 18th minutes. I did receive some corrections uh, that were incorporated into the item that's included in the packet. Okay. And is there a motion to approve uh, the uh, May meeting minutes uh, as amended? Yeah, we made changes, right? Yes. Um, but changes. Is there a motion for that? So moved. Moved. Is there a second? A second. Second. All right. All in favor? All right. So that's that passes. I believe nine um, <clears throat> zero three. Right, nine zero three. Um, so moving on to staff updates, ridership update and feedback. <coughs> From uh, prior meeting comments, Mr. Perro. Um, I got you. Got it. Yeah. Um, just one. Uh, as far as ridership goes, uh, for the month of June, we were fairly steady versus uh, May. We didn't see any significant changes. Um, pretty much across all of our uh, all of our services. Um, Stat, uh, service levels haven't changed either. When we last met, we had just started the revi uh, some newer routes on the commuter buses, uh, but uh, nothing else has changed since then. Uh, we are working on finalizing Silver Line Phase Two, 
uh, routes. Uh, and in that package, we are also looking at adding an additional trip in the afternoon uh, to Brambleton to serve the Brambleton Park and Ride because we got quite a bit of feedback um, when we instituted the new Brambleton service that we needed an earlier bus in the afternoon. Um, so we've zeroed in on that. Um, right now it's bundled with Silver Line uh, changes. Um, if depending upon how all that times out, we could possibly separate it out and start it sooner, maybe. Um, we'll have to see how that plays out in terms of timing. Um, regarding feedback, one of the things we wanted to just touch on really quickly was we had notes in the last meeting about uh, some uh, a route that came up that was mentioned in conversation that was characterized as underserved. And what we kind of realized, I went back and tried to listen to the minutes to try and gather that conversation and kind of listening to that recording brought us the owl because uh, I couldn't make out two words of the whole conversation. So one of the things we're going to make a point of going forward is you know, we do ask you guys for any feedback that you hear from riders and from your constituents. So we're going to make sure we get that feedback down really clearly. You know, if it's something that we haven't heard, you know, seen in say the agenda specifically, you know, we'll, we'll tell you what we know at the moment, but if we need to go back and look, we'll make sure we take very good notes on what it is that's being raised and we can report back at the next meeting. Um, and to that end, you know, if it's something you have in advance that can be added to the agenda again, and you know, the specifics that we could possibly look into in terms of service and things like that, uh, we'll definitely make it a, a stronger point to uh, get that information and, and be clear on that. So I would do want to jump in and say that um, on so when our last meeting was May. A something 18th. So yeah. we really didn't have information on the new. We started five new commuter bus routes at that point in time. Just for the for the record, we are up about 120 riders a day since mm -hmm. we've added those routes. So they did help. Um, I think it's a combination of giving people more options to go in either direction has helped that. Um, we did obviously get feedback on the Brownstone route, but so we did see a, a significant bump there. Um, we're, we're running at probably 18, 19% of pre-COVID levels as opposed to below 10. So uh, that was a nice change. And we're hoping to see that same bump when rail starts. I'm a little terrified to ask this, but here I go anyway. Is there any, uh, any way that the report could show a map of the different, I mean, I love this, you know, the detail that's in here and the numbers, but it would be meaningful to me to see which routes are being used and those that aren't. And I don't want to send you guys down a rabbit hole for sure. <laughs> that's a rabbit hole noise if I have Yeah, um, I would tell you that we don't have graphs by route. We don't, you know, we don't typically look at it by route per se. We do for, um, analysis purposes on the route, but we don't look at it for historical, you know, kind of like we do in the rest of them. I think, Scott, what I'm asking for is a picture of all of the routes. You just looking for a map? I suppose so. A system that, map? Yeah, that, system map. So we have system maps. We do have a system map of the route. And there's no way that, you know, each one could be easily identified with certain ridership on it. Um, it would take some work. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
if we had it, I'd give it to you. We have a system map. I can give that to you right That'd now. That'd be great. Um, you know, we can have that. We have it up the the new version too. So what it's going to look like, and you can really see the difference of where it's going down the northeast corridor. Now it's going throughout the county. That that would particularly yeah. for newcomers. That it's a great point. So yeah, we can we can absolutely do that. Um, you know, and if I can figure out how to easily get ridership numbers on there, and then the real question is, is Something what, what, what ridership does. numbers I'm going to put on there? Something we talked to Rory about. It. So well, Sorry, it doesn't have ridership numbers. Though. You know, we give him the data, but you know, as a car as as our map guy, that would be what he does is yeah, visualize he, he the data on that map. map. He had a graphic artist do that map. Oh, uh, okay. And if if it's only interesting to me and not beneficial to you as professionals, I'm not sure it's worth the squeeze. But I would love to see the map differentiation at the very least. <clears throat> yeah, and our system map really is local and metro connection we don't have the commuter routes on there i don't believe correct um, and we have the we have the post silver line one on the website we have a i'd have to go looking on the website so we have a current if, if we don't i know where i can find one <laughs> so yeah so so we will have that but we don't we typically look at the commuter buses completely separate than the rest of the transit system because it's considered a premium service, you know, by the board and by county administration. So we try to keep the transit services, including service to the Metro Connection or the Metro stations, as one, mm -hmm. and then the commuter bus is kind of its own entity. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have a map for the commuter bus as well? Um, we can get one. We don't have one because here's the problem with GIS, the GIS system, which is why you need to have a graphic artist. When you put maps in GIS and you put points in GIS, there's multiple commuter buses, like all the commuter buses go down the toll road. So you just, all the routes disappear into one line, mm -hmm. you know, so you'll just have like spike, 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 one line, spike, 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 spike. Um, and then the problem is in DC, they all follow the exact same route. So you're just gonna have, you might have 13 or 20 routes, but they're gonna look like one line going to DC. And then what a graphic artist does is goes in and takes them and spreads them out so that you can see color, 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 color. So. Yeah, but if you could uh, send us um, send us all the local system map. Uh, yep. Whenever you get a chance, that'll be. We will awesome. do that. Yeah. Um, so how's the ridership otherwise uh, outside of commuter bus? I know you mentioned the ridership has uh, gone from tens to closer to twenties. But how's the ridership on the uh, local and metro buses? So, like, go ahead, Steve. So on the local, um, in June, we ran at about 78% of our um, pre-COVID levels. Um, and when I say steady, that's about what we ran in May. Um, so that's definitely the best of our groups, if you will, um, is the local service. Um, and that's been fairly steady. Uh, for a while, I'm just gonna double check my. Did you, did you say 70%? 78. 78%. 78%. Yeah, so I mean, that's been bumping along. Um, you know, like like everybody, you can imagine last fall, we saw something of a dip uh, fall and winter because of the, the Omicron variant. And it's been steadily climbing since then. Um, Metro Connection, the same thing, has been fairly steady and it's currently running 
11% of pre-COVID levels, so it's still struggling to come back. Um, but that's kind of what we, not a big surprise with the changes in commuting patterns. Um, but we're also, one of the things we've talked about with some of our peer jurisdictions, I think we talked about it in May, so if I'm repeating myself, feel free to tell me to stop, is, you know, we really cut our service back during during the height of the pandemic. You know, we felt fiscally prudent, fiscally responsible thing to do was not to keep running a lot of empty buses around. Um, so we've been a lot slower to bring service back, uh, where some of our peer jurisdictions use their um, it was federal money to really just keep their services running close to 100%. Um, and so their service levels are higher. And that's where we've kind of looked at it and said, well, maybe having those greater number of choices are helping them stimulate their ridership and bring it back. Um, so that's where we have, you know, work to try and be ahead of demand and not wait for buses to be full to start initiating service. So that's the changes we made on May 9th. Um, hence trying to fix the Broadlands issue that came up. Um, Brambleton, sorry, thank you. Um, so, you know, we, we, as we keep moving forward, I think we're gonna keep looking at those service levels and start questioning, do we need to, again, continue to give people options? Um, but again, try to balance that against some level of um, fiscal responsibility and not just go, go crazy with that. And then we also have to factor in the whole staffing, you know, as you've heard around so many industries, it's no different in the transit industry. And I think we've talked about it in this meeting. It also is, you know, trying to staff, staff our operation is, is a challenge right now. It's a tremendous challenge. So. Yeah, what I, what I would say about the local fixed route system is from February to May, we were at 65 and we would bump to 80 percent in that range from may till now we were, were really in the upper 70s and bumping over 100 in some days so ridership is moving up is steadily increasing um we are you know we're we're averaging like steve said down in the 78 percent but it's now climbing more and more and more where we're hitting more days that are getting over in the upper 90s and 100 percent. so it's nice to see Good. Any questions, uh, <clears throat> items before we move on? Comments? But you said the metro connection was um, around 11% of pre-COVID levels. That that might be just like you guys are talking about because didn't metro significantly cut back the number of trains that they were running? So that's not helping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That the whole seven thousands. I mean, well, two things obviously cut back their service due to the pandemic itself, but then they also had their their train problem. Their 7,000 series problems. So I think service on the silver line is still at 20 minutes or have they been able to bump that? I can't remember. Yeah, I think it's a little bit, it's, I think it's down to 15. 15, yeah, so, which is obviously well below, I think pre-COVID, pre-7,000 series issue, it was 8%, six, six to eight, six to eight during rush hour. So that's obviously hurting people's choose, choice to get to the Metro route. Yeah, I would also say that the Metro Connection ridership is probably artificially stifled on our end. We um, were only running five buses yeah. to the Metro stations where pre pandemic we were running 14, 13, 14. Yeah. 
So, and we intentionally did not add them back because of some of the issues that were happening at Metro. Uh, because we weren't really getting anybody asking us to add more service. So we were, we're, you know, we're monitoring our emails and phone calls and trying to monitor. You know, any, any requests for additional ridership. Um, and honestly, we've been anticipating the rail opening up where we've got a slew of buses that are going to start going to the rail station. So, as it kept getting backed up, it really, it, it, it kind of put us in a, you know, a tough situation because we kept saying, no, we got to wait. No, we got to wait. No, we got to wait. So, yeah, we've had frequent conversations. Well, should we just go ahead and restart some of our Metro connection service as we wait? Well, no, it's supposed to be. You know, mm -hmm. Well, now, you know, so. Well, and then and, and not to jump in here on you, Steve, but the, one of the other big reasons we haven't yet done that part is because our contractor is really having difficulty with drivers. I mean, right now we've got supervisors driving road supervisors who should be out monitoring the routes and everything are now having to drive routes because mm -hmm. we're short of dri drivers. So we didn't really want to add more service at this time and put the service we have in a worse situation. Mm -hmm. So that definitely is playing a role in it as well. How short of drivers are there? Right now, they are so here's the problem with transit in the transit industry. Right now, per their business strategy, they have the perfect amount of drivers. The problem is, is that, and they do, if everybody's here, they've got eight drivers more than they need. The problem is, is in this industry, that never happens. They're averaging, so out of, I would say out of um, somewhere near 100 drivers, 90 drivers, they're averaging anywhere between, I, I'd say eight to 15 drivers calling out a day. Hmm. So that, you know, when you have, they build what they call an extra board, right? That's designed to hold, if somebody calls out, you've got folks that can come in and drive. They have an eight man extra board. Um, and right now, those eight man extra boards are basically being put into service every single day. And last Friday was the worst we've had. We all of those folks were put in, and five supervisors had to be put in because the drivers just aren't showing up. And one of the things they're running into is like for so many is you know, COVID starting. Well, people think COVID is starting to wane, so people are starting to travel again. Um, you know, our new contractor's been on now. Just over a year, so everyone's so all the employees' leave banks have had a year to build up. So now everybody has a lot of the drivers have leave available. So and it's summertime, so they're getting into the whole leave season. So um, it's they're 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 they've got a challenge going right now. And then, like I said, it's not like people are rushing through the door to get hired. So we have a slew of international drivers, and and that causes its own challenge because international drivers, when they leave for vacation, they typically go for five to six weeks because they're going out of the country and it's a significant expense to get there. So they want to spend time with their families. And so that's a, that's another problem we have to deal with is that you've got folks that leave and they're gone for six weeks. And then um, sometimes they come back. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get caught up trying to get back and they originally had four weeks and they end up being seven because by the time they actually go through the, all the process to get back into the country. So it's it's been a challenge. Interesting. Any questions? One quick question for Steve. This is Ron online. Uh, 
Have you had a chance to to talk to Metro or they provide you information regarding scheduling for your feeder routes? One thing I used to hate was pulling in in a late Metro connection and to see my bus leave and know it was going to be 40 minutes until the next one. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, they did. They provided us uh, their rail timetable back early part of the year. And with the scheduling software we have, I was able to take all the bus routes and the trips we had. Um, and I actually sat down and took the time to all the train trips into that scheduling software as if they were part of our schedule, which actually made it a lot easier for me to lay, overlay those with our schedules. And I tweaked um, trip times here and there where it looked like we were going to depart right before the train arrived or a minute after the train arrived where somebody's walking down. Um, of course, that's not easy because they're running on that schedule has them built at 10 minutes during rush hour and we're running buses every, you know, 20, you know, a route, maybe every 25 minutes. So you get a lot of still, you get a lot of things out of sync and our approach to that more than trying to sync with them really well was. Our design parameters for the new routes were no more than a 20 minute headway on a route. We were shooting for. Um... I'm second guessing whether it was 20 or 40. It was, I think it was a 40 minute on bus. 40 minutes travel. No, no, no. It was, it was no more than 20 minutes on the bus with 25 to 30 minute. And well, with 25 to 30 minute gaps between. Which I don't know if we're defining that as a headway. Yeah, that's a headway, but, but yeah, so what we were trying to go for was greater frequency. So that, you know, if you were walking down the, the ramps from the, the 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 rail platform and you saw your bus leaving it wasn't going to be 40 minutes or an hour for the next one but you were going to have a a much more um, tolerable wait time so that's been one of our goals in this one so we'll see how that plays out and of course you know our ability to sync with metro has to do with whether their trains run on time and like i said i don't know if you picked up but this train timetable i was provided was during rush hour every 10 minutes well, are they going to be back to 10 minute service by the time we start? So it's, it's a little tough to try and sync with Metro real well, but you know, we try to as much as we can. Cause yeah, that's the worst feeling in the world. Sip off the train and watch the taillights of a bus pulling away. So that's, that's kind of stinks. All right. Um, so let's move on to the next staff update on Metro rail of late. Is Penny on the line or now Penny's sick. Okay. So. Um, I don't know, you guys want to talk about them. Yeah, I can give you. So we've been provided a range. Of which I've not been allowed to disclose, but <laughs> let's just say, let's just say we've been, we've been told to be prepared for service to begin. Before Thanksgiving. Hmm. So that's about as close as I can get you. Confidence yeah. <laughs> um, level on that one. Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly, for Metro Rail starting, I'm pretty confident. Okay. Uh, for our route starting, that's a different. The caveat there is our drivers being able to get a driver force hired. We've got our 60 drivers. We, our contractors, got to hire 60 drivers between now and let's just say three weeks before that starts. Mm -hmm. So that's basically only gives them 
90 days on the top end, three months to get 60 people hired. It, it's going to be a challenge. And the egg on the face is going to be on the county rather than on the. It, it, it may, but it, you know, it's there's such a shortage everywhere and it is not. I mean, it's been very, very well publicized that there's shortages everywhere. So. You know, it, it, if we weren't in the pandemic situation, the answer to that would be, yeah, it would be all over. It'd be all over the county, county staff, the board, but you know, there's not much you can do. I mean, you know, we, we couldn't, had we hired these 60 drivers 8, 10, 12 months ago, when we thought that when we thought that the uh, service was going to open, we'd been paying for them for 12 months with no work. Sure. And that was, you know, exactly what we got out of and early on in the pandemic and we were. One of the few people to do that, one of the few jurisdictions to do that, to actually right size our bus. We waited a full year after the pandemic started, and we we took the federal stimulus money. Actually, the counties took all of it for that three years, but whether you realize it or not, we we're still making metro rail payments as they got ready in their startup to the tune of several million dollars. So that was. Federal stimulus payments actually went to that service to pay for that, so the local tax rates didn't have to go up. I just wonder if it. I mean, maybe you guys already do this as a cross rep with the PR department. You know, those guys to put you out some information that it's out of your control. The hiring environment. Yeah, I mean, it's. it's you know, it, you don't need to address it. I just, I, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I, yeah, we've talked about it internally like that, but we, we were trying to. There's a, there's a line there, right? It's like sure. you want people to be instilled their confidence instilled in the system. So if you're putting out a, a separate message to that extent, you're, you're that. You're kind of talking out of both sides, right? Hey, come over here and ride with us. We're not sure we're going to have a drive, <laughs> you know, and it's so it's, it's, it's. We've had that conversation internally, and we're just not sure where we're at on it yeah. yet. It sounds like you guys are walking tight ropes left and right. We are, we are walking on the edge. One comment I heard that I forgot to yeah. bring up that is mildly related to all of this has been uh, chatter on the street about the bus system. Am I jumping ahead? The bus system to bringing in folks from other counties uh, for what that's worth. You know, that that's a waste of county money, waste of county resources. And as a member of this committee, I was able to say, well, actually, it was. Pretty thoughtful application of resources because they weren't being used at all. Uh, and we have such worker shortages, but. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if comments like that are of interest when we sort of hear. Feedback on the system. Per se. That's actually a somewhat traditional view in terms of the role of transit is that a jurisdiction provides transit to move its citizens to their needs. Whereas what that whole idea is kind of the opposite of that, which is as a jurisdiction, we would use our use transit to go and get somebody else's citizens. But the obvious upending of that traditional thinking is the fact that we need people in this county to do jobs. So it's it's flying against long held beliefs, if you will. But I think it's fairly logical. One. Yeah, that so is, yeah, you're definitely going to hear those kind of ideological oppositions yeah, for sure. That is more of a that's not a traditional transit viewpoint. Um, you're exactly correct. If you looked at it that way, it would not make sense. But it's from an economic 
You don't development. need to justify it to me, John. Yeah. I get it. I, yeah. I, I, I'm just giving you that feedback. Yeah. Right. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. no, we, we, we have heard that. Um, we have heard that in the past. And, and trust me, as staff, our view on it is everything we do, if 51% of the people are happy with it, we've done our job. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. that's really kind of how the world works in our world, right? It's you, you try to you try to handle and serve as many people as possible. The majority of them are happy, then you've done a good job because you're not gonna get everybody. You're not gonna get 52. Right. Back to your drivers. Have you considered hiring morning drivers and evening drivers trying to get more of a retirement base where they have time to do one but can't do both? They I mean this is a contractor issue, it's not a county issue, but obviously it's part of the county is because school bus drivers, for example, have the same problem. Yeah. Right, they've got split shifts there. They work in AM or in PM, um, and they're they're short hundreds of drivers every year. Um, so I, yeah, I, I know that they've tried to do that. That you know, tried to handle that. Um, you know, everybody wants to have a straight eight, what they call straight eight, which is where you're working eight straight hours. And um, as we go more and get rail on board, that will be help. That will help, and hopefully, that will help some of that too. Um, but we're all scratching our heads. We're all trying to figure out where did all these folks go? You know, they were driving pre-pandemic. Where are they now? And it's not just Loudon. I mean, it's Fairfax and Wilmana and Arlington. Everybody's in the same boat. PRTC called me last week. Hey, you know, you guys got any ideas on how we can get more drivers? No, but if you find that golden, you know, that, that so, you know, ball, let us know. That crystal ball, let us know. No, I, I mean, I hired just drivers. No, you're right. I mean, it's a, it cuts across industries. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, how many um, how many businesses have you seen where they they're changing their hours due to staffing? Right. Um, it's it's across right. industries. I was having this conversation with the uh, president of the re the president of Keolis, who's our contractor today, um, and they're basically seeing it and saying that this was a COVID problem. This started when COVID started, and it just hasn't bounced back. So nobody can really figure out what that is. Um, initially, it was because there was a lot of federal money flowing out there. So nobody can figure out where did all these folks go. So I mean, look, we lost like what a million people. So that's kind of we, we as a country lost like a million people. You mean to COVID? Yeah, it's uh, that's fair number. So obviously the. Being in the hotel industry, we're facing the same issue across our 100 plus properties. One of the analysis that we've done is that the baby boomer generation, if I get these numbers wrong, I'm just trying to bring them up from our analysis. There's 164 million baby boomers that were born that are still alive today. 27 million of them died off. And this is a really interesting part of that number. I'm sorry, it's uh, 65 million baby boomers that are in the workforce, 165 million overall in the United States. They're anticipating that that 164 million number, which the baby boomers are 40% of it, right? So 65 million baby boomers in the workforce, 165 million overall in the workforce represents 40% work. They're, they're right now estimating that approximately 20% of the baby boomers decided to retire during COVID. So if you take that 64 million people, 
you've removed 13 million people from the workforce. So you think overnight the shifted into those positions? You now have all of these openings. And what we are seeing is we started doing analysis on the age of people who quit in the hotels. And they're all in the baby boomer generation. So there's a lot of analysis going on right now with the assumption that a large percentage of baby boomers looked at their finances, said, I'm okay, I'm gonna retire. And they didn't go back into the workforce. Yeah, we're finding the same thing. That's a that's a part of the issue, not the entire issue. But yeah, a large portion of workers that could retire left the workforce. Now I don't know the ages of the drivers um, pre-pandemic if they fit um, even earlier than baby boomers, right? So um, we're finding people between 55 and 60. Right, that's not technically, you know, 65. So, yes, a large chunk of people were able to afford to leave the workforce. Well, I, so I think one of the things that we're going to find out to that analysis, right, is I think that makes a lot of sense right now. I'm here to but go back. How many, yeah, so we're, that, that you're going exactly where I'm at is there are a number of people that can retire because they have hit the retirement. That's right you know, age or their age plus number. But the reality of it is, is they find out four years into the retirement, I don't have the income to live here. I don't have the income to pay for my house and it's not paid off. I don't have the income to pay for my car and it's not paid off. So, and that's that backside of that loop, but it takes several years to get there and somewhere between four and 10 typically for that group to go, oh, that, you know, combination of they get bored in retirement and and a great majority of them is they just don't have the money to, they literally don't have the money saved to retire. Right. They need to cover a gap. Yeah. So it's not a full salary. Right. But it's something. Yeah. We're right. forecasting that it's going to be four right. years of personnel issues at yeah. hotels until it gets. Right. Right. Because, yeah, the shortages we're feeling, I mean, it's nationwide. Yeah. And, and we see a migration from, uh, we're in the engineering and into IT. So IT is now opened up with cybersecurity. Everybody's starting to go into that direction or whatnot. And you know, we're losing folks in the engineering world into IT. And we don't have to find engineers anymore. They're converted to IT. And a lot of folks now moving into that direction. And as digitalization is happening, there's more demand in that industry, and everybody's pairing that with the higher revenue and you know, that they could get, income they could get. So these our industries are suffering, not able to make the same offer the same dollars that they would get in IT. So there is a transition happening also on that end uh, as technology is moving towards and everybody is getting pulled into that direction. So that's another thing to watch for. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Every company is an IT company now. A good part of them are, that's for sure. <clears throat> All right. Um, let's move on to the last item on staff updates tab. Uh, contact us cards. Uh, yeah, so I sent everyone an email from Public Affairs about um, their preference to not provide a lot of uh, very specific information for each member to make it easier. And since this is the first go around of them, they really encouraged us to just stick with having your name on there and the general tab contact information. So with your all's uh, authorization, what we can do, the next step would be to 
get some staples cards to print out from our office uh, and distribute them at the September meeting. And we can see how you go, how they go, how you like them, how they're working for you. Do a little test pilot of distributing them to all of you, uh, and then we can get feedback after that. Okay. Do we need a vote on it or just? You can just vote. Okay. And then uh, there's a question. Oh, okay, if you had a question, sorry. No, no, I just had. I I just have to say that I am very much impressed with the quick movements on this this initiative that I brought to the board, and I'm happy to see what was what has been submitted for consideration. I don't know. Is there? What would we, we do a motion? How do how do you do this? Yeah, so yeah, so if uh, there's any discussion, so if there's any you know changes that we need to make, we need to discuss that first. Um, and if not, we can vote vote um, on that. Okay. Or make a motion and vote on it and then okay. Vote. Yeah, you made it. Okay. Yeah. Um so is there any discussion uh, on that? Uh, uh, contact us cards, any uh, anything that you guys want to can, can you get more information on yeah, the <laughs> Oh, then you yeah. want okay. These are physically business cards, so we have this. Then we have a copy there for you. Yeah. And we're all going to be clear. Yeah. That's just, <laughs> 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 they found it. Okay. <laughs> so this is to be issued or shared with. So essentially, um, um, how this came up was, um, um, when um, you know, Ray and um, Amy, and Ron, um, they started, um. As members of the transit board earlier this year, and they had requested, uh, so we were, um, you know, discussing as to how uh, we can get the message out um, that we represent transit, and then we want to solicit feedback from the ridership on any enhancements or any changes that we can make on the transit. How do we identify ourselves and stuff? I'm just saying. You know, I'm X, Y, and Z. So that's when the idea of business cards, which is now, which is called as contact us cards now, okay. arrived. And Sarah uh, worked with the uh, county administration <coughs> and um, arrived at um, the output that we see. And the last meeting, we, a couple of members, um, including myself, I think we raised, do we want to put our name and the district that we represent? Uh, on the contact us card, uh, but then um, I think the administration refrain county administration uh, recommended uh, refraining refraining from putting in that information. Actually, we can put in the name, but not the uh, district that we represent or you know an EDAC or anything. But instead, um, they recommended putting in the london.gov slash transit advisory board where they can go online and look up for additional. Uh, information uh, on contact. So, and I think we, uh, Rushi and uh, Mike Cohen, who are not here today, but they expressed mm -hmm. their their uh, consent to this format. So that's where I'm asking if we need any uh, further discussion. If there's any further changes that need to be made, or if the membership does fine, then we go on to, to make a motion outreach to correct. outreach to ridership and and community. Yeah, Secretary. community engagement. When you're out and about, yeah. Either when either when using the transit or when you're when you're in the community where you live. So it would be our our name and then our 
That's not a mobile um, phone number. That's just the. The number will always stay the same. It'll be the transit advisory or the um, transit and commuter services number, as well as the TAB's email address. So the only personal thing that would be on there would be your name. Thank you. I think um, for me, this is very helpful, especially having it uh, ahead of October, assuming that's the date we'll be out in the community talking with businesses and uh, other people that may have questions and we can leave them with information because a lot of times uh, folks don't often know the website. It's kind of interesting. You know, we can Google everything, but people don't really um, have a lot of familiarity with uh, the transit and mountain with regards to communication. So I think this is, would be very helpful. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to come back to that statement <laughs> once you guys are done. Do you think it'd be a good idea to have the district name on there that you represent? They advised against that. Uh, Public Affairs advised against that and really just said to keep it simply just the tab member's name. That's what we recommended at the last uh, tab meeting okay. in May um, to add the district or the, in Mutu's case, it will be the EDAC or Chamber of Commerce. For Amy, um, this day looks like they recommended not having it. So, so do we need to? Um, do you need a approval? Uh, or, or so we can make a motion okay. and vote on it. But um, if there's uh, if there isn't any further discussion, um, yeah, I was I was going to say for the metro. I heard October thirty first date Halloween. So people were like, it's going to be like trick or treat. You know? <laughs> That'd be interesting. October 31st is a Monday. Monday. I mean, that's what, that's what they said. I, I I thought it was it was it was real. Then then somebody said it's it would be a safe date to start. Yeah. Is that the reference you were making to being out in the community in October? October was the metro opening? Well, mostly I was thinking that it's helpful to have the cards by that time. But you know, now I'm st I still talk to people in the county. Um, about, I just yeah. wanted to know if there was some other event in October that I just yeah no no uh, her October comment reminded me of the October thirty first that I I was uh, told by yeah. somebody about that but yeah so if there isn't any further discussion um, um, somebody wants to make a motion uh, for that I would like to make a motion to accept the cards as as presented uh, is there a second. second. Second by Charles. Uh, all in favor of the motion? Aye. Yeah. <laughs> Any opposed? None. All right. For that motion, passes nine zero one two with Ron abstaining. <laughs> and uh, two um, and not not present. All right. So that br uh, brings us to the end of the meeting um, and. The next business meeting for the tab is planned for 7 p.m. on Wednesday, September 21st. Before we adjourn, could I ask for an update on the strategic planning process? I'm keenly aware of that, and Penny reached out, but we never closed that loop. I just wondered. We are we are still working on finalizing the scope of work for that. So you haven't really finalized things with the contractor either. No. Okay. No, that we're still in that negotiation phase. Okay. I'm I'm hopeful that we will be under contract by August uh, to start this. It's a, over a year long process. 
Uh, we have public engagement activities with uh, meetings that we're going to hold around the county. Uh, we're also going to engage the tab for around one uh, as we formulate the strategies and goals of the plans and then follow up with you for around two after we get some preliminary data and, and start drafting up the plan. Is it fair to request that it, since it's such an important initiative that it be a standing piece on the agenda just so that we can kind of get even really basic updates? Yeah. Because yeah. it really is pretty monumental. Thanks. I think that's a great idea. And I, I will say this just for the group. You know, you guys will be intricately involved in this process. So whether it's through the tab meetings or whether it's through emails where we're reaching out to you, um, correct me if I'm wrong, there are stakeholders in the transit strategic plan. There will be stakeholders in the transit strategic plan. I'm sure there are. Yeah. What do you mean? Don't, we've got a lot of projects going on. So I, I know Sarah's trying to clear her head to go, which one were we? Yeah. Yes. So the stakeholders will be, you know, groups of folks just like you, right? Where we meet with them and say, okay, see, here's yeah. where we're thinking about going. Or, you know, if you had a blank slate, what would you do? And then we have to take and wean all of those down and say, what can, what's physically makes sense? What is great, but we really can't do it physically, but we'll put it in a plan in case money pops up from somewhere that got it back. Yeah. So yeah. that's where we're at. I'm just I'm just very interested in helping convene clients, local nonprofits who are using the local system for uh, a focus group or however you refer to it. So well, yeah, and I don't know honestly with the transit strategic plan how deep we're going to go into that level. I hope we do into that level because. That's exactly what we want to get out of this. Right now, we, we're running a local fixed route system that's been operating the same way for 18, 19 years. And, you know, people adapt to it, right? They're, they know what buses to catch to go from where, from point A to point B to point C to point D. Well, if we've got 30% of our ridership and it's just a bogus number, I'm just saying it for conversation, it's really trying to get from A to D. Why don't we just put a route from A to D and get them away from, you know, make their life a lot simpler and I'll give them a lot of their time back to do that. So we're with the with the computer IT information we have on the buses now and those kind of things, we're hoping to be able to get to that. I, kind of a, I certainly hope kind of. so. It, it's a, a keen interest to the Loudoun Human Services Network that yep. convened around this. Yep. So, yeah, I, I if I continue yep. to ring that bell, forgive me. But no, no, no. I'm very they, interested in it. They, all of the human services <coughs> departments, commissions, everything are going to be part of this process for us. Because, you know, to us, that's you know, those are those are folks that like to have stuff, and there's folks that need to have stuff. That's right. And and just to clarify, I'm talking about a nonprofit coalition called the nonprofit Loudon um, Nonprofit Coalition of Human Services. So, government, gotcha. yay! But there's also large groups of nonprofits mm -hmm. who could convene their clients, food pantries. Mm -hmm. Yep. What, what would you say that list again? The Love and Human Services Network. Is that the list you, you mean? Since I've sort of bumbled yeah. around with it. Yeah. The LHSN. Okay. Uh, and that's, I, separate yeah. from, that's separate from the county. Very right. So, I know 
Yeah. Yes, Scott, you were exactly right. I was clearing away all this stuff, and now I see the, the section and the scope yeah. of work are related to the stakeholders group. And I know for sure that we have the Workforce Resource Center included as a stakeholder. It will also will also have um, public agencies, uh, peer groups around um, our peer jurisdictions, uh, and then there will be a private entity stakeholders that would include somebody like Loudoun Human Services Network. But this is a prime example. This conversation is a prime example of why those conversations had to be had. We may not have ever heard of that until you just said it. Even though last we did, I did an unmet studies, you know, unmet transportation slash transit for, for elderly and seniors, for senior citizens and handicapped, and that never came up. You know, so it's it's it is great to have these conversations to get into those groups so that we can we can take care of folks that need help. Right. That's exactly what that's that's what our job is. That's what we should be doing. All right. Um, anything else that anybody else wants to get to Um The next meeting, community foundation. So it's obviously not the Loudoun County Government Building in Leesburg. So we're we're going to a place and we're gonna have a, a tour or something like that. Or no, it's a it's a room. It's my offices that I've offered. <laughs> um, it's next to um, uh, the giant supermarket on Market Street. If that, if you're familiar with that, yeah, yes. there's an Anita right there. Right, we're right next door right to Anita's. Next to Anita's. You know, I could throw a baseball. And I yeah. can throw very well at Anita's. And hit it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so straight shot, like right <laughs> on the seven, like right there. It used to be a doctor's office. I was gonna say I hate to date myself, but my kids are 27. I've heard I, that it was that was their pediatric offices. That's where yeah. I used to go. Yeah. <laughs> Offered several times to host the meeting there. I had reached out to um, Gum Springs Library and they couldn't accommodate the September date. Uh, and the government center was full. So thankfully, Amy uh, said that her facility would be available for that September 21st date. And we have similar, we have an owl and um, other stuff. So we have traveling also. <laughs> <laughs> and that will travel. <laughs> One pelican case. Lit around. Uh, are we on LinkedIn on the for the advisory board? It's funny. Do we put any updates on LinkedIn? I don't believe so. I don't believe you're on LinkedIn. Um, but I did um, forget. I, I I did speak recently. Um, somebody who handles the um, for. The county's commuter and ridership page. Um, I forget the person's name. Probably Sean or Heidi. Heidi, I think. Heidi, Heidi does most of the work on it. Yeah, I didn't speak to her. So that's the only. Uh, that's I believe that's on Facebook, and um, I think maybe on another social media platform. But I don't think. I think you, know, you could add your your involvement in the on the tab to your LinkedIn. So everybody... but he's but I think... no, so what we are trying what we have started to do uh, in the EDAC group, you know, we start posting these meetings right away, take a photo and start talking about it right after the meeting and, and use we probably saw a lot of uh, photos and whatnot, constantly founding that LinkedIn page and, and folks would join us. As soon as you see our names, they'll ask you to join and they'll ask 
you know, right. to, to join a, a group and whatnot and have more involvement mm -hmm. happening through the process. So LinkedIn, we have seen a little bit of movement happening, at least in EDAC. Um, so, and I just recommend that we take a photo every time we do this and put an article about that this happened, this is, you know, right. and we start seeing more interest coming through interested parties. Are there any limitations that you can think of that we may run into if we with EDAC, we, we didn't have any yeah. issues. I bet, I bet the county PR folks would want to have oversight of right. that, having worked with that team. But we don't, either, we don't you know, have any issues. They're rogue. They do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only reason why I say that is LinkedIn being professional. Yeah. You know, we're looking, a lot of folks that take particularly long haul, right, are, are on LinkedIn. So we're feeding in information mm -hmm. it does seem like it would be a big conduit yeah particularly if strategic planning and other things are going to start taking place hmm. matter of fact somebody we approached you and told them right so what mutu is referring to is the email that i sent out earlier this week on maintenance of the facilities so somebody reached out to me via linkedin hmm. if that's something would be of interest to Loudoun County Transit because I think he was referred to the County's Transit by a Keolis VP named Samuel, I think. Um, um, so yeah, so I mean that, that's a great idea. Maybe we, maybe I don't know. We can have a email discussion or or discuss around it offline, mm -hmm. and then uh, maybe have that um, roll in from the next meeting. On that idea. Very nice. <clears throat> Scott, you said you had a comment you wanted to come back to. Yeah, so one of the things that we, one of the many projects that I had cooking in my head is, and I've talked to Heidi and Sean about this, is about, they've done a lot of work on our website, but it's, to me, we've not gotten any input from focus groups. This would be a great focus group to say, hey, Everybody bring your laptop, look at this. What, what do you want to change? What do you think you want to change? What are you looking for? You know, the folks that have ridden the bus and the whatever, you know, what are you looking for? Uh, because it's really an opinion thing, right? Well, it's one of the things that I found out with websites. I go to <laughs> SEPTA and a billion other CTA in Chicago and everyone, and they're all different. And it just, it's really, if I ask 20 different people, they're going to say they want 20 different things. It's because how much do they know? They're going to go to this page. If they're really experienced, they just want to go to this page. So it's a little bit different, but it, it is important to get input from the folks that are actually riding the services so that you can, you know, it, they get their buy-in to it, right? And it's because, again, it's, it's one of the things that I'm trying to really do with the entire staff, and there's only six of us, but mm -hmm. um, any of my new folks we bring on is, we are here to serve the public. The public, we need their input to understand what it is we, that we need to do better. So uh, the website, I think, is a big part of that because I can't say how many people have said, I can't find this, I can't find that, I can't. So we've got to figure out how to make it easily, everything easily accept, accessible. So just wanted to throw that out there that you'll be hearing us come back to you at some point. In the oh, future with that. I was just, I was just, <laughs> I was just able to ask that when you get, yeah. you know, yeah, it's not coming like tomorrow because we've got four. She's already doing three studies right now, and 
we got a lot of other stuff going on. We got we got to get rail up and running, but um, it, it, it's hot on my priority to do. Just like you know the the TSP should delve into that, but really looking at our our local fixed route services and getting a better handle on where folks want to go. Awesome. All right. Anything else before we adjourn? All right. Seeing no other further business, the meetings are adjourned and we will meet again in September. Thank you. Thank you. So just for the record, it's 826. I think it's the first time you've ever had a meeting four minutes ahead of time. Yeah, right? <laughs> I, th I thought I would adjourn the meeting at eight. <laughs> I'm surprised it went. Well, well done. Well, well done. We need to put away the we'll say yeah, bye fix. to Ron. Ron, fix. thank you. Ron, thank you very much.